morning. Would you please stand as we begin service this morning? this morning is Psalms 40, Psalms 40, verse 16 and 17, Psalms 40, 16 and 17. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay. Give life. 
Good morning. I'm glad you guys have joined us to worship our Lord and Savior this morning. So welcome to Crossbridge. Let's go to the Lord in prayer today, and then we'll have our welcoming time uh, this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you, God, that we're able to come today, Lord, to worship you in, in song and giving uh, by studying your word, Lord. And uh, Lord, just what a privilege and honor it is to be here today, Lord, to worship you with my brothers and sisters. And uh, Lord, in all things, we want to glorify and honor you. We love you, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Take a couple of minutes this morning. Welcome, everyone.
may be seated this morning. Let's go through a, a couple of announcements. Uh, this afternoon, uh, the men, men's discipleship uh, is going to be from 4.30 to 5.30 here at the church. Discipleship from 4.30 to 5.30 here at the church. If you've never been discipled, so we have a discipleship program here. When Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teach them all that I've commanded you. So it's not just about, okay, somebody's made a profession of faith in Christ. Now it's about, okay, we need to come alongside them. What does it mean to be a follower of Christ? What does that look like in our daily lives? So we have a 14-lesson discipleship book that we go through with one another. So we have a little saying. It's called, who is your Paul and who is your Timothy? So who is teaching you? So Paul taught Timothy, uh, the young preacher. So who is your Paul? Who is teaching you? Who's discipling you? Who is coming alongside of you and answering questions and just living life with you and teaching you about the things of God? And then who are you teaching? Who is your Timothy? Everybody, no matter their place, should have somebody that they're trying to mentor, trying to bring up, and that they have mentoring them. So we have a discipleship program. A lot of it's one-on-one. There is a, a group that meets every, a fellas, guys, that meets every Sunday afternoon at 4.30. If you're interested in discipleship, being discipled, please come and talk to me or one of our elders, and we will get you on a, a schedule. We'll try to pair you up with somebody. Ladies, we, we partner them up, ladies with ladies and men with men uh, in the congregation for discipleship. So if you would like that, please come and, and talk to me. Wednesday nights, uh, Wednesday nights have been great. Uh, at 6 p.m., we have dinner. We are packed Wednesday night. I love that. Uh, we have teams that cook meals uh, for everyone on Wednesday night. So come and eat dinner with us Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. We have classes that start at 645. We have youth classes, young adult classes like college and career, um, children's classes. And then we have uh, a women's Bible study that just started on Wednesday night. And then we have a big Bible study up here, uh, which we have really good discussion and answer some fun questions or I try to answer some questions, I should say, uh, but we, we, uh, we have a really good time with one another uh, on Wednesday nights. I want to say a big thank you to Jody and Bridget last week. Jody and Bridget cooked uh, food. They smoked uh, meat last week and fed the whole church for Youth Sunday. Big thank you to Jody and Bridget and Joel and Shelley also. Last week for the Youth Fund, Guys, we raised $10,500 for the youth fund. So big thank you guys for all your hard work. That money will go to pay for camp this summer to go for all of their events throughout the year. So just a, we had a blast uh, last Sunday. Okay, this is getting here pretty quick, but we're going to have a Crossbridge Fish Fry and Outreach here at the church on Saturday, March 5th at 3 p.m. I'm not sure if Mike's here. I don't think Mike's here this morning, but if you want to help with that, we're going to need people to help with cooking uh, all this large amount of fish. We'll have an outreach. We'll be sharing the gospel. We'll have a a prayer tent set up where you can pray with people. Um, The whole point is people could come through from the community, eat a nice meal, and we one-on-one can share the gospel with them, talk to them about where they're at in their life uh, with Christianity, with Jesus, and be able to share the gospel because that's what we're supposed to do. So that's Saturday, March 5th at 3 p.m. If you would like to help with that, please see Mike Simons or myself. uh, And and definitely that's going to be a a great, uh, great day uh, as far as that goes. Anything else on announcements? One other thing on announcements I have, and then I'll open it up. Uh, New members. So every quarter we start a new member class. 
Maybe you've been coming to church here for a while. You've been worshiping with us. You want to be a part of this local body of believers. Uh, come forward. Come and talk to me. Come during an invitation. Come and talk to me. We'll set up a time to meet. And then our next new member class, we're going to be starting it towards the middle to the end of March. I'll let you know that date. The new member class is on Sunday mornings during Sunday school from 9 to 10. Me and Max Hartman teach that. Um, and so I know we already have a few already signed up for that new member class. If you're interested in that, please come and talk to me. Any other announcements? Yes. Friday, 8.30 uh, at the Prickly Cactus at 8.30 for women's, for women's coffee. We had men's prayer breakfast yesterday and had a really good time with one another, guys. So if you never came to a men's prayer breakfast, we do that once a month, the third Saturday of every month. It's a really good time. We had it uh, yesterday and we'll have it again in March. So anybody else on announcements this morning? Okay, if you would stand this morning, listen to our time of worship. We'll take up our morning offering, and then we'll jump into God's word together. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll bless our morning offering today. Again, Lord Jesus, we come to you, Lord, and, and very thankful to be here, uh, Lord. Uh, I, I pray over um, just all the activities, Lord. I lift them up to you that we have going on, all of our classes, from our youth to children's, young adults, our Bible studies, God, that we would dig in and, and learn about you and talk and be able to fellowship with one another. And, uh, Lord, I pray for our outreach on March 5th, Lord, that we can share the truth of who you are with the lost and dying community. So many people around us just don't know the truth of who you are. And, Lord, so I, I pray that you embolden us, that you give us a boldness that uh, we will share the truth that day, uh, Lord. I, I'm very thankful, God, for last weekend and how that went. Uh, for our youth and, and just such generous hearts in our congregation that donated uh, their time and talents and finances, Lord, to, to help the youth with camp this year. And what an what a awesome time of fellowship and good, just a fun time that we had. Uh, so, Lord, today as we enter our time of worship, Lord, we give back to you. And I pray, God, that you'll use this to further your kingdom, that uh, the gospel will be shared not only in our community but around the world. It will fund our missionaries. And I pray for our missionaries, Lord. Uh, that are around the world. I, I pray for missionaries right now in Ukraine, uh, God, that are, are dealing with uh, just a bad situation that looks like it may get worse. I pray that it doesn't, but I pray for our missionaries around the world, Lord, that are risking everything for you, uh, Lord. And so let this, let this uh, offering this morning help fund them uh, and fund this local body. And God, in all things, we worship you, we love you. In your name I pray.
Thank you, guys. All right, uh, second grade and below, if they would like to go to Children's Church, they can this morning uh, with Miss Sierra. Here's the, here's the thing on this. I'll make sure you guys all understand. I love babies. So if your child's in here screaming and crying, don't worry about it. I love babies, okay? They're not going to throw me off at all. Uh, I love kids. If kids want to stay in here, they can. If they want to go down with Miss Sierra, they're more than welcome to do that. 1 John chapter 2, verses 20 through 24. 1 John 2, 20 through 24 this morning. I just didn't get very far, guys, in when I was studying this. And there's just a lot here uh, that's important. title of the sermon today is Truth or Lies, Part 3. I don't know, no clever name this morning. We're just talking about truth and lies. What's truth and what's a lie? Uh, so there's no, we may be in a Part 6 by the time we get done with this. I don't know. Uh, but here's Part 3. 1 John 2. Uh, 20 through 24, it says this, But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but the, he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you have heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, this morning I thank you, Lord, for the time that I got to spend looking at this this week and uh, learning some things. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that that this message will have uh, your words here, God. Not anything that I'm doing will have an impact uh, on someone's life, what they're struggling with, maybe what they've heard, maybe what they've got caught up in, in some lies, uh, Lord, and, and maybe just to protect themselves for future lies. I know that, Lord, there's so many uh, crazy things out there about Scripture, and just um, I've dealt with some of it in the last couple of weeks that I'll talk to our congregation about. And so, Lord, I pray today that by talking about this, by going through your word, that you be honored and glorified, Lord. It's in your name I pray. Amen. All right, so we're back in this text today. Uh, and there is a foundational question asked that John co is covering here. Uh, and it is, who is Jesus Christ? Uh, basically, people 2,000 years ago had to answer that question. Today, friends, you have to answer that question. The answer to that absolutely will show in how you live your life, and it determines your eternal destiny. What you believe about the Lord Jesus determines your eternal destiny. Verse 23 says, No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. So you can't say that you believe in God and not believe in Jesus. You can't say that you believe in Jesus but you don't believe in God because those things are intertwined. They're the same. To deny who Jesus is is absolutely to deny God. So remember a couple of weeks ago, I know last Sunday we talked about sanctity of life. Uh, it was Sanctity of Life Sunday. Uh, but a couple of weeks ago, we talked about false Christians, people that say they follow Jesus but ultimately leave the faith and prove. We, we looked at a parable that Jesus spoke about the weeds growing in with the wheat, that they proved that they were weeds growing in with the wheat. Well, John continues on with kind of this same theme, 
and gives us a couple of insights here that you really have to dig into and look. He gives us a couple of insights of what false Christians would use to describe their experience. And he gave two examples, knowledge and anointing. So let's talk about that. It's in verse, and, and one of the verses uh, that he uses this is actually in verse 27. So let me read uh, verse 27 also, just so you have an understanding of what it says or know what it says. It says, But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. So what this text tells us is that there were people claiming to be followers of Jesus, but they said they had a special knowledge or a special anointing. An example of this would be somebody that claims they, they receive a direct revelation from God. That God has anointed them in a way that they receive a direct revelation from God. That they have a special anointing. Today in our, our culture, uh, they will also, that most of the time they will call themselves a prophet. You will see this. They'll say, well, I am prophet so and so. And they will say that they have a special anointing from God. This has been happening all throughout history. All throughout history. Here's a couple of examples. Uh, one from, uh, from the 1800s. Joseph Smith in 1820, said that he experienced a series of revelations coming from two persons whom he described as God the Father and Jesus. He said he received another one in 1823 in which an angel directed him to a buried a book of golden plates inscribed with a Judeo-Christian history of an ancient American civilization. Uh, in 1830, Smith published what he said was an English translation of these plates, and he called it the Book of Mormon. Smith uh, published many revelations and other texts that his followers regarded as Scripture. They regarded them as the truth of Scripture. His followers today uh, regard him as a prophet comparable to, to Moses or Elijah. And he would issue commands as such in the church. Today, Mormons still teach a works-based salvation and, and that one day they can become gods. Here's a, another modern-day uh, scene of this, one that you all are probably going to recognize when I say his name. Uh, David Koresh was a, an American religious leader in Waco, Texas in the 1990s. The 90s seem so far away right now, really. But Koresh claimed to be a prophet with direct knowledge of the seven seals of the book of Revelation. Uh, in April of 1993, Koresh, who said he was directed by God to refuse to surrender to the ATF and, and the FBI with warrants for his arrest, uh, 79 followers of his, including 21 uh, children under the age of 16 years old, perished in a fire that many of us remember today. So why bring up these examples? Why talk about these examples? Because both of these people were examples of uh, 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 perfect examples of claiming to have a special knowledge or anointing that were that was from God, but in reality they were false teachers. They were cult leaders, false teachers and cult leaders. They are examples of the people that John is warning us about in this text. John points out that all true Christians know God and have received what the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. Now, so how does God reveal himself? It brings up a, a, a very good question that we have to answer. How, has, how does God reveal himself? 
where he reveals himself in a couple of different ways. The first one is what we call general revelation. He reveals himself. It's a general truth that can be basically known about God through nature. Turn to Psalm chapter 19. Psalm 19. It's a perfect uh, biblical example of this, of general revelation. Psalm 19, verses 1 through 4. Psalm 19, 1 through 4. It says this, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Wasn't this a Bible drill verse? Isn't this a Bible drill verse from years gone by? No? Maybe it was when I was a kid. I think that's a Bible drill verse. Verse 2, sorry, side note there. Verse 2, Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes, goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun. So according to this passage, God's existence, his power, can be clearly perceived in observing nature. We can see the authority that God has, the power, his existence, just by walking outside. That's why I think it's so important to spend time in nature. Spend time enjoying God's creation. And that is a general revelation, that you can walk around in creation and see that there is a God. Romans chapter 1, a verse that I, I talk about Romans chapter 1 a lot. Uh, but Romans chapter 1 verse 20 says, For in his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. So general revelation is basically the revelation of God to all people at all times, and it proves that there is a God that exists. It proves. Creation, nature proves. So his general revelation is given to all people. So scripture basically teaches there's no such thing as an atheist. Because you can see that there's a God by walking out in creation. I remember being uh, in, in Cape Town, South Africa with Alan several years ago in Sierra. And we went to what they call is one of the seven, what is it, seven natural wonders of the world. We went on top of uh, Table Mountain, they call it, in Cape Town. And the oceans, you can, and we went to the, the point, what was the point called, Alan? There's a point, the southern tip of Africa where the oceans come together and meet. You can go to places like that. Drive up Estes Park in Colorado. You can see the creation of God and know that there's a God in his creation. Now here's the second way, special revelation. How God has chosen to reveal himself through miraculous means. This would include the physical appearances of God, dreams, visions, the written word of God, and most importantly, Jesus. So the Bible shows us many times that God revealed himself in a physical form. Obviously, Jesus, right? But also in the Old Testament. We've talked about this on Wednesday nights. Just some chapters for you to write down. I'm not going to read the verses, but Genesis chapter 3, Genesis chapter 18... Exodus chapters 3, chapter 34, those are all chapters that God reveals himself in a physical form. God also spoke to people through dreams. In Genesis chapter 28, Genesis chapter 37, 1 Kings chapter 3, and something the guys have been studying on Sunday nights, Daniel chapter 2. The primary importance 
in the revelation of God is his word, the Bible. God miraculously guided the authors of the Bible to record his message. We believe it's God's, God's word. So we believe in the inerrancy of scripture, that the Bible is without error, without contradiction. It's alive, it's active in your life as a follower of his. Scripture tells us that. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So when someone says, well, it's just an outdated book, it's not relevant today, oh, no, no. The Bible is alive and it's active. It's relevant for you today, just like it was 2,000 years ago when it was written. It's alive. God determined to have the truth regarding himself recorded in a written form. Why? Because there was inaccuracy and unreliableness of an oral tradition or an oral form. Dreams of men, visions of men can easily be misinterpreted. Remember ever playing, I think I've used this example before, remember ever playing the children's game when you were a kid? That if I had, let's see, I got five kids right here. If I went up and told them a story... And told him to whisper it and tell the same story all the way down here to the end. The last one, she would give me a completely different story than what I said right here. That's, that's oral tradition, right? That's why we have the written word of God. It would get all mixed up if it was just oral tradition. So God revealed himself. Everything that humanity needs to know about him what he expects of us, and what, more importantly, he has done for us right here in his word. The ultimate form of special revelation is who? Jesus. Jesus Christ. God became flesh, something we've covered on Wednesday nights. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3 says this. Important passage. Write this down. Hebrews chapter 1, 1 through 3. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in the last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he anointed the heir of all things, through him, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, an exact imprint of his nature, and upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. What does it say? Jesus is the exact imprint of his nature. That's amazing. When we look at Jesus, we see the Father. It's an exact imprint. God became a human being in the person of Jesus Christ. To identify with us, to set an example for us, to teach us, to reveal to us, himself to us. And most importantly, to provide salvation for us by humbling himself. On the cross, taking our punishment on the cross. So why cover this? I mean, what's the point in covering this? Because in our next text, in our text this morning, there are, are, are people claiming a special knowledge or a special anointing from God, operating on some higher level, a higher revelation. And what was happening? They were leading people astray. Absolutely the same thing happens today. People will claim a special revelation from God, a special anointing. They will claim that God is leading them to do something. Well, how do we know? How do we know what's truth and what's not then? 
If somebody comes and says they have a special word, it, it begs the question. We have to test that. How do we test that? How, we have to be able to recognize it. So how do we test it? Here's the two ways. Number one, 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. How do we test it? The first way is, are they confessing the incarnation of Jesus? Do they believe that he was born in human form, God in flesh? Jesus, do they claim Jesus as Lord? 1 John 4, 1 through 3, it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you will know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is in the world already. So do they confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh from God? Do they confess Jesus as their Lord and their Savior? To confess Jesus, now let me break this down a little bit. To confess Jesus Christ is God come in the flesh is much more than just identifying Christ. Demons identified Christ in scripture. We know that. Here's an example. Mark chapter 1. Turn to Mark chapter 1. Verses 24, uh, 21 through 24. Mark chapter 1, 21 through 24. It says this, And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, not as scribes. And immediately there was an, in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know you are the Holy One of God. So here's a demon in scripture that acknowledges that Jesus is the Holy One of God. So we, ha we, we have to know that confessing Jesus is, is demons would acknowledge who Jesus is. Scripture even shows us that in Acts chapter 16. In, in Acts chapter 16 verses 16 through 18, there's a, 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 a young girl that is filled with a, a demonic spirit, right? And she's following Jesus around screaming, this is the man that proclaims the way of salvation. Talking about Paul. He's, she's saying that Jesus is the way to salvation. The demon was acknowledging what Paul was saying. That Jesus would lead someone to eternal salvation. So what, true confession of Jesus Christ involves personal faith in Jesus. In who he is and what he has done. Confession is not merely an intellectual theological statement that you memorize and recite every Sunday. It's a personal witness from your heart of what God has done in your life. It's believing in him, it's trusting in him with your life. So the question is, have you trusted Jesus Christ and confessed your faith in him? If you have, you have eternal life. If you haven't done that, you don't have eternal life. It isn't about reading our statement of beliefs. In our church constitution. You can read our statement of beliefs with your mouth and be lost. It's not about reading a, 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 a creed about who Jesus is. That doesn't save you. 
being baptized doesn't save you. Being a member of this church does not save you. Saying a prayer that a preacher told you to recite does not save you. That's not, that's not confessing Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Demons knew who Jesus was. We are saved by trusting in what Jesus did for us on the cross. By believing in his sacrifice. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So how do we test this? Have they confessed Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and their Savior? Or do they teach a works-based salvation? Do they teach a false gospel on how to be saved? What's the second way? How do we test this? We test it with Scripture. Let's go back to our text in 1 John. Let's go back to 1 John 2. And let's read verse, verse 24 again. 1 John 2, 24. It says, Let what you have heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. So this statement is made here, heard from the beginning. What is that? That means the gospel of Jesus hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. Christian truth about who Jesus is and how to be saved is unchanging. It doesn't change. It's never changed. And it's not going to change. Regardless of what we want to think or what we want to say or what we want to teach. It's not changing. It's not. Here's Jude, Jude verses 3 and 4. There's only one chapter in Jude. Right, Trey? We got Trey this morning. All right. Jude chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. It says, Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt necessary to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was handed down to the saints. For certain persons have crept in unnoticed. Those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation ungodly persons who turn the grace of God in lasciviousness and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. So this gospel that we teach and proclaim, it's not anything new. It's been there since Jesus walked. So we should be very, very careful, discerning. Red flags should go up when someone comes in with a new idea about scripture, about Jesus. And they'll say things like, well, the early church missed this. The early church got this wrong. Or, or preachers and theologians have gotten this wrong from the beginning. Or they'll say, God revealed this to me, that everyone has this wrong. You know, here's the one example, a, a worldwide example of this. There was a book written called The New Perspective on Paul. That, that Paul had it all wrong. That he, he actually followed the law and, and he would still try to keep the law in order to be made right in God's eyes. N.T. Wright wrote it. That everybody's gotten it wrong through all history. I finally got the knowledge to get it right. So listen to me. When you hear somebody say that, red flags should go up. Red, hey, I have, my own personal experience, it's amazing that God works this stuff out. This literally happened to me a couple of weeks ago. I received a message from somebody I went to school with. 
And, they, and basically it was a quick message. And it basically said, hey, I wrote an 18-page paper on demons and Satan. And, I, and, and he wanted me to read it. And I want to quote. Here's his quote. He said, I've got a different take from what we've grown up hearing. Have you ever done a study on what demons and Satan really are? Or have you grown up listening to other preachers giving their own interpretation or ideas? I'm not putting you down at all. All I ask is that you read the scriptures in context and do the study. If you can prove me wrong, show me. <laughs> all right. Let's do this, right? So, so I, I read an 18-page dumpster fire is what it was. And his scripture, or his take, or his belief, was that Satan was nothing more in scripture than fleshly desires. That there wasn't a real Satan. And that demons in scripture were sickness and disease. So, pretty quickly I shared with him some scripture about God speaking to Satan in the book of Job. And I asked him, was Satan... God's evil desires in his own head? And I got crickets in response. I showed him where Paul casts out a demon speaking to him. That Jesus casts out demons in scripture. And I said, do sickness and disease speak? He had then told me that I had given him things to think about. And he blocked me from sending him any more messages. <laughs> I did invite him to get plugged into a local biblical body of believers as he had told me that he was doing home studies by himself. Those are some of the things you run into. And I, I encouraged him, the last thing I wrote to him before I got cut off is I said, I really encourage you to do some deep studies of how important it is to be plugged into a local body of believers. And then he didn't answer me anyway. But that's exactly how these things play out. Right? Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 24, 35. He said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will not pass away. So anybody that comes and says, oh, the church forgot this, or it's been left out, or I have new knowledge about this, that no one's ever, no, this was all just forgotten about. They, they have it all wrong, and I found it. I want you to remember that verse. You test things with scripture. We can test them by asking them if they've confessed Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And you can ask them to share the gospel with you. If you know the truth of how someone's saved, they should be able to share the gospel with you. After that, you open God's word. And you test with God himself. So in closing on this today, God has revealed himself in many different ways to us. General revelation through creation that we can walk out. Spring's coming. You guys know about April 1st, I start getting really excited. Because we get to shoot turkeys in the head and we get to catch crappie. It's a fun time, right? Turkey hunting and crappie fishing, right? That's, that's enjoying God's creation, right? That's getting out and having dominion over God's creation and enjoying that. Get outside and go on a walk and enjoy God's creation. He has revealed himself to us through his creation. And when you do that, you stand in awe of God 
that at what he created. And then we also have special revelation, God's holy word, the scriptures. And we have God in flesh, Jesus. How do we test these things? Do they confess Jesus is Lord? Do they believe that he was God in flesh? If they don't, they aren't from God. If their way of salvation is a works-based salvation, they are not from God. Because that's not what his word teaches. Do what they say contradict scripture? We, scripture doesn't contradict itself. We believe in the inerrancy of scripture. It's without error and contradiction. The Bible doesn't contradict itself. Are they telling you about a special revelation that contradicts scripture? If they are, that isn't from God. That isn't from God. Being in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. To abide in Christ means that you're in Christ, that you're saved, that you have the Holy Spirit. When you have the Holy Spirit, it gives you discernment. It gives you discernment. Now, there are some people that have a lot more discernment than others, right? That is a, it's a gift, a gift of discernment. Some of you have the gift of discernment. A very, it's an important gift. Here's also why a, being a part of a local body of believers is important. Because it puts you under the care of an elder group. That is our responsibility. Our responsibility from what scripture tells us is to teach the truth. To protect the flock from something that tries to come in. If this, if this, Young man who's my age would have said, hey, I want to come and share this message from the pulpit. Would I be protecting the flock if I let him do that? No. No. It's our responsibility to do that. Our job is to guard the flock against false teachings and protect you. So maybe this morning, you need to join this local body. You need to join this local body. For a number of reasons, that's just one. Maybe you're here this morning. And you, you thought that confessing or believing some statement about who Jesus is, you have salvation. That's not salvation. Trusting, confessing Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You believing that he took your punishment on the cross. That he died for you. You believing that. That you deserve the punishment that he took. That he rose again, defeating death. We sang about that in our last song. Up from the grave he rose again. And whoever yells and hollers, I like it when you do that while we're singing. Because we should. Because he rose again and defeated death. When you believe that, the Bible says you're saved. Maybe this morning you need to do that. Maybe you've sat in church your whole life and never believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. I urge you today. I plead with you to do that today. I'm going to ask our worship team if they'd come today. We're going to have an invitation. A couple of reasons why we do this. It's not for us to get up here and play five songs and beg and plead for you to come. Okay? It's an opportunity for you to publicly profess what God has worked in your heart. That you've believed on Him. To publicly come and say, I want to be a part of this local body of believers and serve. You know what being a part of a local body is? It's you serving. How can I use my gifts and talents to plug in to serve the kingdom? Maybe you're here this morning and you, need, you want to pray for somebody. 
who's went down one of these roads of false teaching and they're lost and they're believing a lie. They're believing a lie. You can pray for them. And I ask you to stand this morning. If you need to come and you want me to pray with you, I will. If you want to pray by yourself, you can do that. If you just want to sing this song this morning and worship our Lord, you can do that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, this morning for your word. I thank you how this is tied in. You, you cause all this to happen, Lord, and you, you work all this out and um, give examples of what we're preaching through in, in the last couple of weeks. And I'm thankful for that, God, that uh, you, you give me the opportunity to study this and to, to prepare it. And, uh, Lord, for you to be glorified and honored. And my prayer this morning, Lord, is that there's someone here that doesn't know you, that they don't leave here today lost and dying, that they leave here made new in you as a follower of yours. My prayer, Lord, is our church be so actively involved in sharing the truth of who you are. That we're known as the radical church in this, in this town. Because we just preach the truth, we share the truth, and we love people, and we evangelize. That's my prayer for this body, God. In everything that we do, from our worship time, to the sermons, to our outreaches, it's all to point people to you and give you all the praise and all the glory. God, we love you. In your name I pray. It's
Amen. All right. I want to thank you guys for joining us today. Here's the, the benediction this morning. It's Proverbs 3. This is, I know, a Bible drill verse. It's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And, and I want you to think about what this means. I want to talk about it real quick. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. What are we called to do? Trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Everything about us, trust in him. Don't lean on this sometimes, because this can cloud it up. Lead on his word, what he says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on yourself. And guess what he's going to do? If you acknowledge him in, in all your ways, acknowledge him, he's going to make sure it's straight. He's going to keep you here, right? And what is, what is this? Getting off course from ideas or being wavy, scripture talks about, being like a, a grain waving in a field, right? Going, being blown back and forth, right? Don't lean on your own understanding, just on his. Max Hartman, would you close us in prayer this morning?